welcome everybody. My name is Dave Nevins. I'm here interviewing Bruce and Gene Hammond of Destiny Manifest Ministries. The reason why I'm doing this is because I want to highly recommend them. And the whole point of this is to bring something to God where you're having some bad luck and you just need success in an area where you know God has blessed you, but you're just not sure how to get around it. And sometimes you need some help. Thank you very much, Bruce and Jean, for letting me do this. Good to be with you. Thanks for having us. So why don't we start off by just telling a little bit about what it is you do. You have a prayer ministry, which basically means you help people talk to God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we really try to find what's going on inside a person. A lot of times unconscious things that they're unaware of and blocks that people don't even realize are within them. And we like to get in there and get insight into what might be setting up inside of them. And so that's kind of how we do it. What is it that they're going to notice in terms of a change? A lot of times there's either a character difference or an actual change in circumstances. Right. I think it's some of both. A lot of times what's set up inside is operating and influencing their decisions and their behaviors, and they're not even really aware of it. It's influencing their circumstances, two of their relationships and work life, et cetera. I was talking with you before, Gene, and you were telling me how a lot of times people get a relief, almost a healing, by just realizing that God understands them. Yes, I think that um, a lot of times people run away from God instead of run to Him because they don't have sometimes truth in these places that are painful or past experiences. And so they think maybe He will treat them the same way man has treated them. So somebody in their life has hurt them and they think God is going to do the same thing. Right. And a lot of times, one of the things that you do, you help the person see God in them. You help them see the treasure that God has put in themselves. I also think that He is the treasure. When we concentrate on Him being our treasure, more than what we can do and more than how people treat us or even the treasures he put in us really brings security because then your life is in him and it, things don't go well, it's all right because you're still in him and he shares himself with you. Just the fact that we have that as a comfort is often better than getting the actual answer to our prayer. Right, a lot of times I think that you've got people who are there they have wounds and insecurities and they're trying to fill it with things, often good things. And he's wanting to satisfy their heart. He's wanting to satisfy them and, and calm them and be all that to them. But that often turn these good things into, you know, we try to get, get security through the good things that we, our abilities and, and just our circumstances. But he's wanting to answer that himself. And in addition to that, a lot of times we don't realize that God ends up actually being much more generous than we could imagine. And a lot of the things that we want, God actually wants more than we do sometimes. Mm -hmm. So it's not just that God wants to give us all these gifts that he's already given back to him. It's also that he wants to purify them and make them even bigger and stronger and more refreshing and more fulfilling, but we need to give them back to him. Right. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give the desires of your heart. You know, I think that's the key because he's, he's wanting us to have stability and security and wholeness, but he's, he often doesn't want us to, sometimes our successes can be our, the worst medicine <laughs> because it's not really giving our, meeting our deep heart needs. So he's wanting to, to be that first. 
he'll bring stuff, our gifts out, but he's wanting to stabilize us, if you will, in himself first. Because he knows that he himself is the most satisfying and is able to provide and to satisfy what we need in our hearts. And he knows nothing of the world will do that. And so sometimes he won't allow us to have things of the world if they're in a replacement of him. But then Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and then everything will be given you. So if you seek God first, then we notice he starts to give us even things we didn't ask for. Right. True. Now, a lot of times I think people will say, well, I already know God and I've already kind of prayed these general prayers. But one of the most powerful effects of this type of prayer is it gets to the root. And so a lot of times we are able to uncork God's blessing in a particular area. So what you're doing is basic Christianity, you're bringing God from a general worldview into a very specific. Yep, exactly. Especially in the West, there's very much a kind of an intellectual way of dealing with God and understanding him, but there's an underemphasis in the emotional connected relationship with God, which is so vital. I mean, he made us for that. So it's going to show up when we don't have that. And he's wanting to be that for us. But a lot of people, I know we bring that up with people, we say, what is your quiet time like with God generally? What's your devotional life? A lot of times people look at us almost mystified because it just hasn't been brought before them. It hasn't been taught that way. They're all different places within us, so there are places where we do know God, and then there are also other places where maybe there's been wounding or there's been misunderstanding where we don't know Him. And so it's not like the whole person doesn't know Him, but maybe parts of them don't know Him as comfort, as peace. And they can let go of some of the pain that He will actually take it out. And a lot of times I think we don't always realize that God is pleased with so much of our lives, but we need somebody else to see that yeah. and actually let God tell us that in a deeper way rather than just in a general way. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you encourage somebody who is afraid to go into it once you kind of realize that some of these blocks aren't just intellectual questions, but they're actually emotional hurts? Sometimes it's just a step of faith going, God, I'm going to trust you with some of the most vulnerable places of my heart. I'm going to step towards you. It's kind of like with Adam and Eve when they basically pulled away from God in shame, you know. And so there's to embrace him and go, God, I'm going to trust you. Make this step That's often a vulnerable step, but it's worth it because he's going to take care with them and he's there to answer some of these questions in their heart. But sometimes it helps to have understanding in your mind of how things have gone in your life and what your mind is doing, what your heart is doing, so that you can work with the Lord and yield to him and allow him to bring up the pain without trying to keep pushing it down by a mindset where your mind is actually deciding, okay, if my life looks like this, then I'll be okay inside. We tend to look at life from an outside in, whereas God wants to go inside out. Yeah. Absolutely. In other words, we tend to go, if I can just have these successes, then I'll be happy. God says, I already love you. And if you can start with that and bring me into those areas where you hurt, then your outer circumstances will change. Yeah. Yep. It's very deep. I mean, when they don't have that success, it's like an anxiety attack because 
they've decided that that's what they need to be okay. Not just, I would like to have success. It's like, I'm dependent on success. And so that's where the fear is because they've attached to something else. They say, I need, this is what I'm going to embrace for my security. So in a sense, one of the keys to what you're doing is you're basically helping people to see that area that is not necessarily under God's authority, so he can't declare his favor in that area. Right. It's so simple, but we just need to do it. Right. And a lot of times we don't realize the unconscious things. I think that was a word that kind of surprised me, is how much was unconscious to me. Yes. I needed other people to help me see what was really going on. Okay, well, we'll be back in a moment with more about the healing. Now, what happens with a typical Skype session? First thing we look for is the strength of a person. We always tell people that all roads lead through their strength. It's not just their talents and abilities, but it's what's important to them. We do it pretty low-key, and we just kind of have fun. It's very conversational. It's back and forth. It's not like we're just going to tell you about yourself, but they talk, and we mm -hmm. listen. And Right. So both of you are highly intimidating? <laughs> no, it's pretty, pretty low-key. People are pretty comfortable with it. Yeah. Because they're starting to get understanding of where some of the pain has been in their life. And so it's like, oh, now this is making sense. Many times people walk away with such peace. The mere fact that they go, my life makes sense, the good, the bad, the ugly. Wow, I can understand why this pattern set up in me, and I understand why I struggled, and why I struggle to come into what my strong suit is. Yet a lot of times, God's already working in their life when they come to us, and we're, we kind of find that, okay, we see God's been doing something recently with them. He's had his hand in their life, and he's changing something in them, and we're just more or less going on. If we see his hand in your life in this way, it seems to me there's a number of advantages to starting with seeing a person's strength. One is that you're acknowledging the good that's already there. Uh -huh. Another is that that's their most natural way of seeing the world and seeing God and seeing yes. their life. And then another would be that this key thing you talk about a lot, which is that tends to be the thing, the place where we block God out because we tend to mm -hmm. rely too much on our strength rather than God. Can you talk about that? Right, yeah. Well, typically what happens, just as an example, let's say somebody who has the gift of compassion, and that's going to be their core value in life. So they often feel a lot of pain when they're not given compassion. It's kind of the lenses they look through, so they're not given compassion. They have pain around that. And then typically the cycle it sets up is they go, I've got to do something. Now, this is often an unconscious agreement, but they go, I've got to do something to fend off this feeling, this negative feeling that I'm experiencing. So then they often go to their strength and they go, I'm going to deliver compassion basically on demand in order to push down some of these feelings. And it gives someone value by giving compassion and then I'll get value back. But it never works. It becomes an idol and, and you have to keep feeding that thing. And it will never be satisfied. And the Lord is jealous for those places in our hearts and he wants to come in and provide that so that you can relax and use your strength when he's calling you to do it and say no when he's not. So let's say somebody's a really good singer and they know God has made them to sing and they feel God's pleasure when they're singing, but they can't 
get a breakthrough there. They can't seem to do what it takes to be fulfilled in that area or be successful. You said it well. You said they feel God's passion or pleasure when they do it. Again, that what the person is called to do is very much a passion of theirs. It's what's important to them. But it often gets a little bit twisted in them where they go, if I'm a good singer, I'm going to in essence, have value. That's kind of how it gets twisted. So they go, if I have success singing, I'm not going to feel some of the shame from my past. I'm going to push it down. So oftentimes what we find is God gets in the mix and he goes, I want to restore this person. And often he does not allow the success. So a singer might go, I can't seem to get a breakthrough. And sometimes it's literally showing that they're a son or a daughter of God, where he's going, I'm intervening here and I'm wanting to straighten something out. Initially, the person feels like I'm just feel terrible because I'm not getting past this, but he's wanting to satisfy this and give them truth inside so they are secure in this. And it feels like to the person that they're under a curse and they're getting hammered. And what's really going on is God is tearing down that super reliance on the gift. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because if he were to reward the gift, then that would just reinforce this notion that that's where their security is and their peace. In essence, their strength becomes an idol. Like a good definition of an idol is a good thing raised to ultimate status. So there you go. My gift, if I do it, then I'm okay. Well, God says, no, you're okay because you're made in the image of God. You were made with intrinsic value. It's not because you do your gift well. And Jesus paid the price. A lot of people are doing good things. They're not like, you know, doing negative things. They're often doing good things to try to feel okay. They're trying to fend off some of the negative feelings they have inside. But sometimes the Lord has to break down the foundations that aren't Him because our foundation should be a person uh -huh. and relating to that person. And so it might not feel good, but it's actually for our good that He breaks those foundations down and puts Himself in place because he's not shakable and he's not burnable. And so if you have all your fountains in him, you are going to be in a good place. Mm -hmm. The core message of Christianity is that God loved us first. Yes. We get our identity first in that. And that's what Jesus does with the cross and resurrection. He says, I'm going to give my life for you. And then you're now available to give your life back to me, but you can't earn my love anymore. Right. What we don't often realize is that we may be doing that in one area, but there's often these unconscious places. And you mentioned the word shame. Yeah. That's not a popular word today. Right. But that's one of the reasons that we don't go to God with this is that we feel bad about ourselves right. or we feel like we're not doing enough or that we're not religious enough right. or that we don't have enough gifts or we don't have enough success. In other words, everything but just the fact that God just loves us, period. Right, right. And it's hard to get to those places where we may believe that unconsciously. Yep. And that's why it's so important to come and get some help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Emotions are wired for experience, wired for relationship, wired for impartation. And so this part of our being, when we get damaged, we get the negative experiences, the, the message that it carries is shame. Because our emotions are really meant to be a place where we experience something that's already true. We are deeply loved. And we're supposed to experience that. When we get the opposite of that, it's basically you do not have intrinsic value. There's something broken about you. You're not going to be loved. You can't get back in right standing. 
it's such a strong message that we get into this situation where we're like, I, I just can't live with this. And a lot of times we try to solve it with some type of intellectual answer or circumstantial change that we can control. Right. But what's really going on is that there is a deep emotional feeling that somehow we're not right. Yeah. It's interesting because we've had some people come in and I'll say something like, I just kind of have a deep sense like maybe you believe such and such. And they go, no, that's not true. And they're being honest, but they're basically speaking from their intellect. So they might have a theology, but their emotion doesn't know that. Their emotion has the opposite message. And so there's an internal conflict where you literally have, it's diametrically opposed bases of knowledge. One side is saying, I'm love, and the other part is saying, no, I'm not. So let's get back to this example then of the singer. So a lot of times a singer will realize that they're not getting what they want and they'll keep trying harder and harder and harder and will become a slave to it and it'll drive them and drive them and drive them and torment them. They're in agreement that if I get this fame that that will verify that I have value. Right, but really it's, it's a lie. Yes. Right. Yet the slippery part is they may be called to do it and there's nothing wrong with desiring it, and there's nothing wrong with having the joy of the success of it. Mm -hmm. It just can't be the ultimate, the underlying driving so, message. So a lot of times to get that gift freed up, what you have to do is say, God, I allow you, not necessarily even into the singing, but into the emotion yes. that is driving the need to push the singing so hard. Yes, exactly, because there is an underlying driver, and this is what sets up within a person. I mean, when we have this pain and shame in the emotions, we develop what we call a mindset, where the mind goes, you need an answer. <laughs> and it, again, it usually goes through their strengths, so the singer's going to go, the answer to your shame is success in singing. It's a hardwired part of our thinking, but it's coming from the emotion. And that's a circuit that just runs through the mind and they, you know. So what you notice in the people who come to you is that when they can give that underlying root emotion where we feel the most vulnerable and the most tender and it's the part that we're, it's the hardest to give to God, when people can allow God to bless that, then we notice doors start opening with opportunities for singing. We're not stressed about it. If it doesn't happen, it's not a big deal. And then they start to enjoy and be fruitful and multiply their gift. Yeah. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> Even for the person that has a measure of success, there's always a, an underlying feeling of it's not quite enough. If they have this sort of a system set up within them, they're never going to feel completely satisfied. It'll keep pulling for more. You need to have more success. It's very fleeting. Or they'll go to another idol, or they'll go to drugs or something, because they'll see, well, this isn't enough. This can't fulfill me. Because the root is we all need God to yes. fulfill our deepest center. That's the way he's wired us. It isn't just like, well, I guess I'm doing something to try to feel better about myself. You know, I'm trying to be successful as a singer. It's replacing that with him then it doesn't mean what we're trying to make it mean. So then the outside of what's going on in our lives doesn't dictate our value anymore. 
And so, yeah, things can happen that are hard, but it doesn't have to go to a core place in us mm. that defines us and that stifles us and numbs us or doesn't allow us to move beyond it because then that thing is saying, this is what you are and this is all there is for you. Yeah, but that's not the end of the story. Back in a moment. So that's basically the process. All you're really doing is just allowing God into those areas and then watching him bless you. Right, because he's the healer. We can't heal anyone's heart, but he sure can, and he knows how, and he died to do it for us, and he wants to do it. We just are more or less catalysts. I mean, he does give us insight into what's going on, more or less tell people, we're going to kind of show you what your inward house looks like, <laughs> but you're the one that has the doors you know, you get to open it up so he can come in and do something. Can you talk about this notion where in the inner healing world, they call it a hook. Let's say if you were a little kid and you were bit by a dog, then you will get bit by dogs throughout your life and you'll just think it's bad luck. This is normal life for me. But what you're noticing is that a lot of times that's happening because people have taken an area of their life and said, I have to protect myself from dogs. Right. Making an inner vow is, you know, when we say my protection is based on such and such. Like I had one where I said, I'm going to do everything perfectly and then I'm not going to be treated harshly. But harshness followed me. And I couldn't figure out why this was happening. People would just out of the blue treat me with harshness. There's something about when we agree to something inwardly, we get exactly what we don't want. <laughs> In other words, my agreement was go ahead and let me have it. I'll keep trying to do everything perfect. And so people unconsciously feel it. It's like an undercurrent. And so we draw in in the relationships, like a controlling person might get with a person that's very compliant and they don't know how they, why do I keep finding this kind of person? So in relationships, you've seen that as a pattern where people will draw in the same type of person that hurts them. Yes. Because they say, okay, let's just say my father is controlling and the way I avoid that is being compliant. Well, then years later, they're getting married to somebody and they're going right in with somebody that's a controller because they more or less believe they've got to work this out with this person. And it's known to them and it's comfortable for them even though it's dysfunctional. And they think it's normal life. Yeah. Right, but God wants to go into the belief that that's all that they can expect and all that God has for them and actually take some of this pain out so that the whole system can change. Right. And so that you would see what is happening and walk away from controlling people. So let's talk about some of the things that a person may encounter in your ministry that they might not have had exposure to before. Because you deal with a lot of people, you see patterns and you get a quick insight as to what might be going on. You might feel something, you might see something, but there's also a supernatural scene and feeling. What we call in the Bible, the gift of prophecy. And it might be an empathic feeling what they feel, or it might be a scene where you might see a vision of what's going on with somebody. Now, if somebody's new to this, they might wonder why you're able to get to the root of stuff so fast. But that's because God is giving you some insight in order to help you. We have a basic grid. We understand going in how patterns set up, but how that works specifically for them we are dependent on God giving us insight. So I tend to 
He just shows me pictures or I might be able to see a bit into some of their pain. I see how their mind might track. So that gives us enough information to help to pray them through that. And Jean's is a little bit more where the Holy Spirit's using her gift of empathy, where she senses what they, or feels their feelings. You know, where it might take 10 hours to try to get to the root of something, we can get to it pretty quickly because God's giving us insight into where the root is. And everybody is so different. There isn't a set way that people deal with their pain, even if you have the same type of strengths. People deal with things differently, and each person is a treasure and has to be unpacked as a treasure. How do you help somebody who's a little worried that you are seen more than they want to be seen as? Really, you're kind of like doctors, and Jesus is showing you where the inflammation is. He only shows what he wants to help them with. He doesn't show us everything. Most of the time, people feel very comfortable. In fact, they usually say, do you see anything else by the end of the, by the, end of the meeting? Because they feel like they're just being shown things that are there to help them, and they feel safe in it. You might talk about something that sounds like it's exposing, but it really isn't. The person most of the time feels very understood in how they operate. And that's a relief, too, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And there's an going... answer to some of the stuff that they're feeling and a way to go to the Lord with it instead of just trying to deal with it on their own. One of the things that we don't even realize is that sometimes, and we may not be aware that there's actually other agents in the spiritual realm. There's angels out there to help us that God shows us and gives us encouragement on. And then there's ex-angels who are twisted. And we use a lot of different language for them. Some people use the euphemism of a critter or a dark spirit or a bad guy. But basically, Jesus called them evil spirits. They're demonic beings that float around and try to hit us and try to keep us from all the good stuff that God wants to give us. And you can sometimes see that. Yeah. The demonic realm really tries to destroy us. And sometimes they'll come down through family things, family patterns, ways of thinking. They create fear a lot of times. There's a pressure behind them. And they work more or less in a legal way, if you will. In other words, if a person says, I'm not going to trust God, I'm going to trust my own strength, they more or less have an avenue in which to influence us. So that's why we're always wanting to shift the focus on a God, I want to depend on you, because they back up these agreements that are not in line with truth. That's just more or less the way they work. And a lot of times we don't know where they're working because they don't want us to know that they're there. Right. Especially in the West. Yeah. We want to expose those things so that people can be aware and go to God with it. And it can be something as simple as a thought that comes into your head that you think's yours. Right. That says, use this strength to feel safe because if you don't, yeah. you're going to be in trouble. We go back to the singer, I have to be a success in singing and then that demonic spirit comes in with some extra heat and pressure and just fear. They more or less operate within our system. So a lot of times we don't realize that we're cooperating with these critters. We usually look at it, it's not so much like we're having to, to beat them off, it's more or less we're taking out where they are lodging or the nest that's within. A lot of times we're not even praying against them so much. The more people get into agreement with God's truth and trust Him, they don't really have an avenue to operate, so we don't spend a lot of time zeroing in on them. <laughs> so sometimes you don't even have to address them, you just remove the place where they get in, Yes. close the door, 
And you don't have the burglar. Exactly. Let's talk about another unconscious area that we don't realize is that we often neglect the fact that groups color us and affect us and give us a certain inheritance that's both physical and spiritual. So this big field came about generational healing, which basically means you can have a blessing or a curse based on your family. If you have a problem in your life, you might have to actually go to God and say, God, will you give us this blessing that you meant for us? Or will you take off this curse for the family? They're basically offering the same things that our parents accepted, idols that they accepted, like if I'm successful a certain way or if I do things a certain way, then I'm okay or protected. So it's a spiritual influence on us. It affects our thinking. And so that door can be closed. Obviously, our parents and the cultural group we're around is going to influence our behavior just because that's more or less presented. This is how we live life. But there's a spiritual influence as well that could be dealt with. And we might think this is just normal life because our family operates this way. Right, exactly. But if it's dysfunctional, then you might need to bring it to God because it might be something he wants to repair. Absolutely. All right. Well, in this upcoming last section, we'll hear some stories. Just to wrap up here, why don't we talk about some of your testimonies? You know a lot about this because you've both been through it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This has been our journey where God has brought us through the process. That's more or less how we learned how to do what we do. Obviously, we, you know, there's a gift of discernment what's going on as well, but it was really the process that we went through. And I think especially for Jean, I think she's the one that really articulates well what it looks like. When Bruce and I first got married and he wanted to relate with me and he wanted for me to tell him how I was thinking and feeling, I, I realized I really didn't have that skill or that ability. So what would happen is God would tell him how I was thinking and feeling. And he would come home from work and he would kind of just tell me. And it felt very, um, a little bit scary, but yet it was met with such kindness and such understanding and such peace that I was like, wow, I can really be seen and be loved at the same time. I kind of realized, well, if Bruce can do it this well, then Jesus could do it better. So it really opened up a whole new way for me to relate with the Lord. And then he started bringing painful things up and asking me, can I take this out? And I was really kind of afraid of my dad. And so I had a lot of ways of trying to be okay and a lot of ways of trying to verify if I was okay by the outside world and people's reactions to me. And so he started going after these things. God would take out the pain and change the mind and the requirement to see things in a certain way to be okay. And he would replace it with himself. Are you glad you went through this process? Oh, so much more peace and grace and mercy and just... I'm not so busy trying to figure out how people are perceiving me anymore. I can just be and hear him and not have to be so concerned and so fearful about it all. And it was a pretty dramatic positive change. Oh, completely. We don't realize the effect that our parents have had on us. A lot of times we view God the way our parents treated us. And of course they did a lot of good for us, but couldn't be like God. Yet we still have that need for that. And so there's a lot of times when we have a hurt, it's something that our parents either didn't give us or something that they gave us that was bad. 
And it's not to blame them, but a lot of times we can go to those hurts to find out where we're not relating right with God. And so and that happened in your case, right? Right. And so sometimes when that happens, when you get wounded or you have lack places where things should have been put in that weren't, we think that that's the end of the story. But what man does to us is never the end. Because we have a Heavenly Father that can divinely father us and replace and repair. And so He always wants us to go to Him and He wants to be these things for us and change us. So whatever man does to us doesn't really get to dictate in the end our relationship with Him or what's possible with Him. And you also had uh, not just emotional healings, but changes in circumstances and some supernatural encounters where God came right to you and showed you His, his love for you directly. Encounters and he was so concerned with me that he wanted to take out painful places and the process was a little scary but it was good now you're glad you went through it yeah i mean he's still going after stuff you know which is fine and what about you bruce what happened yeah i think mine was a little different than jane's for me it was not so much like this is how it's going to go i think because i tended to be a performer and try to please uh, he was not going to give me too much information because then I'd go, well, I'm going to try to perform and make this healing process happen by how I'm, by my own work, really. And so he did it in kind of a unique way with me. What about this gift you have of seeing stuff in the spirit? Did that come automatically or was that something that grew organically? Yeah, it definitely grew. I think um, I was sensing stuff learning to hear his voice, and then started to see stuff more, spiritually seeing stuff. But it was really over a lot of years. It's almost like I got a language for what things meant. Like I might see something in them or on the person. And after a while, I'm like, okay, I know this pattern. I know what this means. Um, but it was really through relationship with him. I didn't just get it overnight. It wasn't like all of a sudden you have this computer chip put in. It was relationally developed. So I'd learned to hear and see things. It wasn't an auto-mystic app? Right. <laughs> I'm just curious, so I'd see something spiritually and then I'd go to him and ask him, what do I have? And over time he would reveal what I was seeing and then that turned into what we do now. When you see something though, that gift grew gradually. Yes. And now it's extremely accurate. Yeah. Yep. You gain confidence in it. And a lot of times, like when we're talking to somebody, I will more or less ask them questions to confirm it. I'm not just coming out with a lot of information, but I would just confirm it. It's a way to get right to the, what the root is fast. And you just gain confidence in what you're, just by walking it out, that this is really, the, what you're seeing is accurate. He's really good about using it to get under people and help them not to be seen himself. And did your prophetic, empathic gifts come gradually too? Yeah. Going so many places emotionally with the Lord. He developed a language in that way. He speaks to me more that way than other ways. And she feels what other people feel. I mean, it's a gift of empathy, but it's more like the Holy Spirit is revealing what they feel, and she kind of knows how they're boxed in emotionally. So I think it's both her natural gift of empathy, but also the Holy Spirit uses that prophetically. 
if they feel this way, then they may have made this decision and then that could have led to this. I like the way you put that boxed in emotionally. That's how it feels, doesn't it? Yeah. In other words, there's something about the way we're wired and the way our culture is that says these emotions are acceptable and these aren't, as opposed to saying, God, I invite you in all of them. Because emotions are basically receptors, like your nervous system. Right, and I want him to bring up emotions to heal them, but you don't want to get into self-pity and just cry for yourself is a different thing than the Lord or the Holy Spirit coming up and bringing up real pain and crying that out to him. So there's two extremes there. You could either stuff your emotions or just rely on them in place of God. Yeah. I think this is the journey we've been on is striking the balance. I came much more from a thinking realm and Gene came much more from the feeling realm that we're naturally wired that way. And I think our journey has been to understand the different sides to it. I had to learn to understand the emotions and what how they worked and operated and that they were actually playing an important role in my daily behavior, even though I thought, I, no, I'm just being objective. <laughs> I think Jean had the other side where she, her feelings, she was so aware of them and so cognizant of what they were, she had to come over to it. They don't mean, they can't tell me everything. Right. So we had to more or less meet in the middle on it, or that's kind of our journey. And at the end of the day, the whole purpose of the gifts and thinking and feeling and all the things that God gives us is that... Uh, He's in love with us, and he wants this total gift. Because otherwise, if you're holding back your mind, you're holding back your emotions, or you're holding back an area of your life, you're not fully encountering, right? You know, we talk about sometimes inner healing, people thinking in terms of just they're touched, their emotions are healed, like a surgeon goes and heals, and there is part of that, but a lot of the inner healing is through intimacy with him and knowing him experientially knowing him. And so even those of us who are more naturally inclined towards thinking need to experience him in an emotional way too, the loving God from emotions and experiencing love. And Paul was very emphatic about that. He wanted people to not just know doctrine, but know God personally, experientially, relationally. Yeah, it seems like that's all over the Bible, but we kind of filter out experiential knowledge of God. We just assume it's always just principles and things. Yeah. Well, to wrap up, let's just talk about some testimonies. Tell me about some people who have had some big change. One gal that we know, she was going to go on the mission field. It's somewhat normal to be very fearful because you're going into that kind of environment where you might get stoned or something. I mean, literally. And yet I could feel something deeper going on. And so as we processed it, you know, she said, yes, I am fearful about the physical threat, kind of a natural, healthy fear even. But as we pressed in, we found out that it was a lot more about abandonment that had happened to her when she was young. She lost both of her parents when she was a child. And so as she processed and thought about what might happen to her, this triggered all of this emotion where she was feeling like, I'm going to be left by God, and that means I'm not worth being attached to. See, just the thinking this through, that was the more severe torment than it was the actual fear of having somebody attack her physically or, you know, her life be on the line. So we found that as we could get in, pray with her and help her out, she was able to go, okay, yes, I'm going to have to deal with in a healthy way with my fears of being attacked, but I don't have to be in torment of not being worth anything was really underlined. 
And that carried over not just to her mission work, but the rest of her life. Absolutely. Yes. She was experiencing that all the time to some, it was just that this highlighted or it brought up the issue because it was confronted. That's great. I give another case of a leader who was always feeling taken from. This happened over and over and over again where he would bring companies into profitability and then they more or less would kind of dump him. And this happened over and over and over again and found out that he had really, in a protective way, he had decided that I'm always going to give myself 100% or else I'm not worth anything. That was basically his protective system. Boy, when he prayed with us and he understood, he was able to lead and use his gifting. He was able to choose the people he was supposed to be with, who God was leading him to, rather than just always giving of himself 24 hours a day. So that really changed his life. And did you have to get to an emotional route with him? Was Yeah. There... In fact, he was one of these guys where I told him, I said, I have a sense that you maybe feel this way. And he told me, I don't think you're right on that one. A lot of times, Gina will lead the person through a prayer. And she said something like, God, forgive me for believing. And so he repeated this. He said, forgive me for believing that I always have to give. And he opened his eyes up wide and he said, oh my gosh, I do believe that. So here you have a case of a person who intellectually thinks something and emotionally thinks completely the opposite. But getting to that emotional core was the answer for him, having God deal with it. That's great. Well, thank you so much for doing this, and uh, thank you for your ministry. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. It's been a joy. It's not easy having God drunk in love with you, is it? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. All right, thanks again. And if you want to contact Bruce or Jean, you can get their email or their phone number at the following website, destinymanifest.net. Okay. Thanks, everybody. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> bye. <laughs> All right, bye-bye. Okay, thanks for listening. There's lots more good stuff at davenevins.com. And don't miss the book Surrendering to Abundance, which has a wealth of great material on hearing God's voice more clearly with over 150 examples and lessons learned, stories, interviews, and that's available on Amazon. So, enjoy. <laughs>